This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. This case study is from a hiker that had a spinal injury from hiking in the mountains and accidentally had walked off a small cliff and was unaware of his injury due to drug use. So the story began when the search and rescue call came in very late at night after dark. It was during the summer and all rescuers that were available responded to a trailhead in Big Cottonwood Canyon just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. When all the rescuers arrived, a team of two was sent up, myself included, which is very common. We typically call this team a hasty team as they go out first. They go out with minimal gear and with the goal to travel as quickly as possible. Once the hasty team arrives on scene, they can then communicate what further needs and assistance they need from additional team members. This is all the t- also the time that they can communicate the ideal extraction technique and uh, if there is additional gear that is required, it's the time to request that. At this night, we were called by some hikers that were near Lake Blanche, which is about three and a half miles away from the trailhead and about 2,000 feet elevation change from from the trailhead. The hikers near Lake Blanche had reported that there was uh, another camper nearby that was in distress. They couldn't elaborate further than that, um, but had worry that he was in need of assistance. We traveled as quickly as possible up the trail, and this was a good chance to test fitness. As is common for search and rescue, we never really know when these rescuers are going to occur. And because of that, Timing your normal workouts that you would do to stay in shape with the physical demands of a rescue can be challenging. It also occurred very late at night, and the hike started close to midnight. So we hurried as fast as we could, and we covered the distance in about an hour. This required a very high level of effort, as our packs were about 20 pounds. That is a standard pack weight for most search and rescue missions, even when traveling light and fast. 20 pounds of gear at a minimum is because even though we don't, we're not carrying much of the gear that you would normally need to provide medical care or to carry someone out of the wilderness, you still need enough gear to survive for 24 hours or so in the mountains and actually be able to move through the mountains in technical terrain during that time. So we typically still have a short section of rope, harness, helmet, food, water, layers. And when we pack layers, we always need to have enough layers to share should one of our victims uh, need an extra layer. So this night we travel as fast as we could. Um, After about an hour of hiking, we get to the lake and we start searching and every rescue always begins with a search and so once we got to the lake then the search really began as we tried to find which tent was his or where he might be at this point we really didn't know anything about this person uh, other than it was a male and that he 
possibly was in distress, though we couldn't be certain of that. So as we searched, we went to various campsites in the area and eventually were able to find a gentleman near the bottom of a small cliff, maybe 20 or so feet high, and he was complaining of injury. As we investigated further and started to do a primary assessment and and later a head-to-toe assessment, we identified that he had some pain and tenderness near his spine and his neck and back. So complained of a tingling sensation in his uh, hands and feet. Also, from the assessment, we learned that he had taken some kind of drug. Uh, He said it was an illegal substance. But whatever name he identified it as was unfamiliar to both me and the other rescuer I was with. So the information didn't really help too much to understand how that drug might affect the sensations that he's having as well as the behavior that he was exhibiting, which was atypical. When it came time to provide him with treatment, we figured the best option was to get a helicopter if possible. And the reason we chose that was for the many unknowns. We didn't know what drug he had used. We didn't know whether the spinal injury was from the fall or whether the tingling sensations were from spinal injury or from the drug he was taking. We also didn't know if he was injured at all or if if the pain that he was complaining of had anything to do with any real injury that he experienced while he was up there. So because of the unknowns and and the general caution we have to avoid moving people with spinal injury, we decided that helicopter extraction was best. Once we made the call back to command, then it was a, a waiting game as we waited for the helicopter to arrive. During that time, we're able to get a litter, which we could package him in, to carry him to a good landing zone. Fortunately, about 100 yards away, there was a good landing zone. We noticed that he complained significantly as we moved him and carried him into the litter. He complained of pain throughout his his neck and back. Later, we confirmed that he did, in fact, have a, a cervical spine fracture. It's very common to not get a full diagnosis or or any diagnosis at all later as we're not always tapped into the, the medical community where the, our victims get treated. This particular rescue was a good example for us in not only having the fitness that we needed to arrive quickly and find our, our patient, stop them from moving and, and causing further damage to themselves, but also being able to prevent what would have been this night, an uh, entire night spent out in the elements with no layers, no sleeping bag, no tent, and potentially suffered from the consequences of being exposed to cold weather throughout the night. So that's it for this case study. Thank you for listening.